I don't know, my name's Chris. Uh, I'm the other minister here. Uh, really good to see you uh, this morning. This morning's one of those days where, I don't know about you, but you wake up and you listen to the weather, the wind and the rain, and you think, today is the day when I stay at home and watch on the live stream, isn't it? Uh, so grateful uh, that so many of us are here uh, this morning. Great to welcome folk online as well. Do you know, the BMS Harvest Appeal this year reminds us of something that I think we've been reminded of repeatedly in our various uh, teaching series throughout this year. And I always find whenever God repeats a message over and over again, it's because he's saying to me, Chris, get this message into your thick head. Uh, Chris, this is what I want you to know and understand. And you know, in a sense, this is the big message that I think God wants us to grasp. It's the message he's been driving home through the whole of eternity and every moment of history. It's the message he wanted his people to hear in the Old Testament. It's the message he wants his New Testament people to hear as well. In fact, it's the message we thought about a little bit last weekend, and it's this, is that God loves to dwell with his people. He loves to dwell with his people. But two, he loves not just just to to dwell with them, but he loves to take them to a place of transformation and of renewal, a place of wholeness, a place of satisfaction, a place of fulfillment that can be found in Jesus Christ. In the words of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, fear not for I am with you. What a promise God makes to his people, I am with you, so you don't need to fear. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. There's something very personal about this relationship. God doesn't say, I'm a God or I am the God. He says, I am your God. That's God's message to you and me this morning. He says, I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I'm with you. I'm your God. I will uphold you. And in a sense, that's a summary statement for exactly what comes out of our scripture reading today. I mean, I wonder how many times you've tried to read uh, the Bible in a year and never made it as far as Deuteronomy. That applies to some of us. Genesis, that's okay. Uh, Leviticus, oh dear. Numbers, oh dear, oh dear. And, And we've run out of steam by the time we get to Deuteronomy. Never to discover the treasures that are in this particular book of the Bible. Well, Deuteronomy is a tricky book. It's one of those books that contains uh, lots of law. It contains uh, lots of history, and there is a lot of that in there, but it contains some amazing promises as well. And it's one of those promises that very briefly we're going to look at uh, this morning. It's a promise that God makes to his chosen people, and he simply is reminding them this morning of who he is, but also who he's calling his people to be. In our scripture reading, God's people are being reminded of God's protection. I will be your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. But too, in our scripture reading, we hear a challenge because we hear too about God's loving discipline, his loving discipline. That's the bit we don't ever want to hear about, is it? We want to hear about God's love and his protection, but we don't want to hear about his loving discipline. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we are. If you can find Deuteronomy in your Bible, do turn to it. Uh, If you can't, don't worry, just listen. I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. It's entitled, Do not forget the Lord. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord your God has promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and to test you in order Uh, 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 I've lost my place in order. There we go. To know uh, what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. 
He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. I learned something from the video about what you do if you've got swollen feet. You wrap cabbage around your feet. We discovered that from, from the goats. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where, uh, the, where the rocks are iron and you can dig out copper of the hills. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for all the good land that he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. And then verse 12 begins with the word, otherwise. So God's message to his people is this, look, I'm a unique God. I am unlike the God of your pagan neighbors, the ones that they're worshiping. I'm the God who has loved you and cared for you and protected you all of these years. But more than that, as we touched upon last weekend, God had made this amazing covenant promise with Israel, with his people, a covenant that was something to be cherished, something that they shouldn't abuse. The trouble is, of course, is that God's people forgot their side of the covenant. They often did. Like most covenants that we might understand today, perhaps marriage is the best equivalent contemporary example, a covenant begins with the promise of a relationship, and then that covenant is often accompanied by oaths and signs and ceremonies that define mutually shared goals. I love you. I will love you for better and for worse, for richer, for poorer. And by the way, here's a ring which symbolizes and seals that love. Now, covenants are different from contracts. Covenants are relational. They're, they're personal. It's the difference, if you like, between a marriage relationship and the sale of a house. Both are contracts in a sense, but one is personal and relational. The other one is not. One is forming a lifelong relationship the other is just a contract for that moment to get something through legally. And as you read through the Bible, you discover that covenant relationships are scattered throughout the Scriptures. And we find one in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And God is reminding His people of the covenant that He's made with them. And He's saying, look, I've been a faithful God. I've kept my side of this bargain the whole way through. Would you today please renew your side of this covenant that we mutually agreed on? Listen again to those words that we heard, verse 7, 8, and 9. For the Lord your God, personal, not a God or the God, but your God, is bringing you into a good land. It's a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into valleys and hills, a land where you will lack absolutely nothing. What an amazing verse. It kind of reads a bit like a hymn of celebration, doesn't it, or uh, 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 some words of pro proclamation. And as part of this covenant, God has already promised that he will lead his people to a promised land, a land that would be such a contrast to where they'd been existing in, in the barrenness of the wilderness that they had experienced for 40 or so years. 
Now, God had let them go to that place so that they would be humbled, so that they would be tested, so perhaps they would rely on God even more than they were. They were in the wilderness because, like a good father, a good father disciplines the ones they love. There's kindness in in God's majesty in allowing them to be in that place. Such strong imagery, isn't it, of this land with brooks and streams and deep springs, And it allows us to imagine for just a moment the abundance and the provision that God makes for his people. And I think this is a great verse for us to to use when we reflect upon the work that BMS is involved in with Gashel. These verses are a reminder to, to God's chosen people of all that God is doing and all that he's yet to do amongst them. It's a reminder of all that God is already doing in them and through them, especially when times are tough and we find ourselves in something of a wilderness. But two, I think these verses ought to be a reminder to us today of God's amazing generosity and his provision. There's a sense, isn't there, in the story that this is something of a turning point. God's saying a turning point will come when your barren experience will be over. You won't be in a wilderness, but you'll be in a better place. You'll be in a good land where all of those promises that I've made will be experienced in their reality. And just as that was true of the time of when it was written to God's people, we can also see that truth being worked out in the community of Gashel. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we know that God is bringing us to a good land. We speak, don't we, of a land which is eternal. We call it heaven. Wasn't it good uh, on Thursday as we gathered together for Linda's Thanksgiving service to stand on the promise that God is going to take us to an even better place? to a place where there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no suffering. You know, without that hope, we are a hopeless people. And it was so good to celebrate that. So there is a work that God is doing where he's going to take us to a land that's absolutely perfect for the rest of eternity. But it seems to me too that God is wanting to work out something in the here and now, that God is wanting to fulfill the dreams and the hopes and the aspirations of people for a good land whilst we live here on earth for our friends, for our family, for the communities that we live in here in Christchurch and even beyond. Kay said, didn't she, and I found this so challenging, that the dreams of the community in Gishel are so basic. It's a dream for education, for people to stand on their own two feet, for a better future, for clean water, for women to be able to speak up in the community. Christchurch Food Bank has a dream, and the dream is that it wouldn't exist because it's a disgrace that we should have a food bank in a community like Christchurch. Tracy's greatest dream is that she'd become jobless because there was no need for a food bank. In Gashel, the whole community dream of being able to flourish in a good land, and this ministry partnership with BMS is enabling those earthly dreams to be fulfilled. And part of that dream is for BMS is that as they go to those places, as they bring transformation to the situations that people are confronting, that they'll have the opportunity to encourage that community to think about putting their hope in Jesus as well. That as they put their hope in Jesus, that they'll discover an even gooder land, excuse the bad English, which is an eternal place where they will one day reside for eternity. These verses remind us once again, how many times have we heard this message this year that God is not distant, God is not distracted, he's not disconnected from the challenges that people and communities, maybe even we face today. But God's desire is to bring us wholeness and goodness by working in and through his people. 
That was God's will for his people there in Israel, to be his hands and his feet, to be a witnessing community, to be his lips and his ears. And that's still God's call for us, his people today, for us individually, for us as a church, that we would be a community that brings transformation to the place where we're called to live. And isn't it brilliant that we see all of this in the work of BMS and of Christchurch Food Bank? I don't know about you, as I watched the videos, I exhausted myself listening to Tracy describe everything that the food bank is doing. I'm just so grateful that somebody is going, in Jesus' name, into those difficult places. I'm so grateful for Amos that he's going to remind people that actually as I provide this water, this safe water for you to drink, actually there is one who can quench your thirst for the whole of eternity. I'm so grateful for Tracy and Sarah, the team of volunteers, that as they take something as simple as a can of beans, they can express the love of Jesus to those who are needy recipients, that they can take the message with them. There is one who can can satisfy your eternal hunger. And you know, this morning, my sense is that God is giving us the most amazing invitation It's an invitation to join in with the good work that he's doing in in Nepal, maybe in Christchurch through the food bank, maybe in some other sphere uh, of influence in the life of our church. You know, we can't all be Tracy. Praise God for that. We can't all be Amos, but we can make a difference. And we can make a difference using the resources that God has blessed us with. Every can a can of love expressing the love of Jesus to people in Christchurch. Every textbook, every new water source, an opportunity to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Savior and in his name we come and we offer transformation. I wonder what you're joining in with to bring transformation to our town, to our community, maybe even further afield. I promised Kay I'd preach short this morning. I'm going to honor that. I want to leave us with a single question, and it's this. What resource, what skill has God blessed you with today that you can use to make a difference in the life of somebody near or perhaps far? How might God be calling you today to open up your hand and let go of something so it can be a blessing to somebody else to change their here and now, but to God willing to change their eternity? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your invitation. And Lord, thank you that, um, in a sense, the invitation is exactly the same today as it was to your people all those thousands of years ago as we hear the story recorded in Deuteronomy that, Lord, in relationship, in partner with you, you invite us to use our words, our actions, a tin of beans, a tin of stew, our prayers, maybe even our finances to bring wholeness to the community that you've called us to serve in Christchurch, to the community in Gishel, to the very ends of the earth. Lord, we're humbled this morning that you could use somebody like us with the resources that you've blessed us with to make a difference in the lives of others. Let's be still for just a moment and in that stillness. 
simply want to ask God to give us ears to hear what he might specifically be saying to us this morning of how we can join in with this amazing mission, this amazing ministry that he's already doing. Let's be still.